to the Yogi Fuel podcast, the podcast where we share the knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science to help you learn and embody ancient wisdom in a practical way to optimize your health, deepen your spiritual practice, and step into your peak potential. I'm your host, Mel Singh. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, it's been some time. Um, Sats was feeling a little sicky, poor her. So she's been off of school, which means I have been on full-time, you know, mom mode, mom duty, and have not been in here sharing with you. And I have lots of um, updates and things to share with you. Um, I'm actually going to wait until the end of this live to share some of those things with you because I don't know, I want to get into what I want to share about today. And it's been so interesting because the last couple of weeks, you know, Sats has been, well, actually the last couple of weeks, she's been sick for like a few days. <laughs> it hasn't been like a couple of weeks, but she was off um, school for Ganesh Chaturthi this week, which is a 10 day Ganesh festival. And so, and then she got sick when she was supposed to go back to school. So that was sort of, um, a lot of time. It's a lot more time than I'm used to being with her now that she's in school all the time. Right. And I remember back to like the first, I don't know, like couple of years of her life. I was with her 24 seven. I was with her all the time. And then all of a sudden, you know, she went to school and we started having this space, you know, space to myself, space for her. She's like formed her own identity and all that stuff. And so to be together again for 10 days has certainly been, it's been challenging at times for sure, because she's now like a three-nager, almost like a four-nager. I don't know if that's a real thing, but um, it's certainly been challenging and it's had me reflect on so many things. And as this whole sort of like process has been unfolding, one of the things that I've been, you know, really immersing myself in behind the scenes is, and as I, as I always am, but for some reason in the last several months, this call to really go deeper into my own sadhana, into more of the deeper learning and teachings of philosophy, uh, specifically, um, I've been feeling the call for many years to non-dual tantra. And so I've been studying that very deeply and I want to share with you this really powerful like distinction that has been kind of coming into my world in many different ways. Um, and I feel like this is kind of me going all over the place, but I want to share this distinction with you because it's really, really potent and powerful. And, and I want to share the importance of the process, the importance of this entire you know, spiritual process when it comes to, you know, I don't want to say awakening to our full, our full potential, but yeah, like awakening to our truth, to our full potential and why we don't want to skip any steps, what, why we don't want to bypass the initial phases of this process and sort of the, the importance of what I would call like a top down bottoms up. And what I all, what I also refer to as like a multidimensional approach. So the teaching that I've been really getting lately is this, this teaching of integration of honoring the whole of us as sacred, as divine honoring, not only the quote unquote, Ooh, like spiritual positive parts of ourselves as sacred, but also honoring the not so positive parts of ourselves as sacred as divine, just as divine as the positive ones that are having these like revelations, but learning to see and hold 
the frustrating, irritated, angry, bitter, jealous, resentful parts of ourselves also as sacred, right? And one of the powerful teachings from non-dual Tantra is just, is just that, is that it's all, we're all of it, all of, all of us, myself, you, we are all, you can call it God divinity. We are all divine. And all of us, every part of us is divine. And so often I find like on this path, we are looking for something that feels spiritual. Like we're looking for something that feels good often. And I can just say that myself as well. I'm looking for the feel. We like the feel good spirituality, right? But when you, when you go down this path and you've been on this path for long enough, at some point it stops feeling good and it stops feeling exciting and it gets real. And you meet like your shadow and you meet the shadowy parts of yourself and you identify as this like spiritual being. And then you get really mad at someone, or you get really mad at your kid, or you get really mad at yourself, or you judge, or you do these icky, unspiritual things. And maybe you judge yourself for it. Yeah. Let me know in the comments if you guys, if you can relate with that, or if you're listening to this as a podcast, let me know if you can relate to that. Right. And we judge ourselves for this. And it's so fascinating because what I'm, what I'm learning in my own embodied practice and through studying the teachings is what if we got curious about those things? And what if we saw those shadowy parts of ourselves as equally divine as the, you know, positive parts of ourselves? What if instead of, you know, seeing the negative part of ourselves, seeing the anger, trying to wrap it up in a bubble, you know, you you've heard of those Zen meditations, like notice the anger and like, Hmm, say hello, anger and wrap it up in a bubble and let it go. What if instead of letting it go, we invited it in and got curious. What if we fully accepted that part of ourselves as divine and we invited it in and we explored it and we got curious and we allowed it to be there for some time. Yeah. What if we got, what if we allowed that to happen? And it's been really, really cool and interesting to, again, observe this this similar um, language in other spiritual traditions. So for context, um, I've been working closely. I've been doing, um, many of you might know, I've been doing a certification in hypnotherapy, um, emotional freedom techniques, time techniques, um, and like life coaching, which I'm almost done, which has been amazing. And we have to do practice sessions on one another. And one of the girls who I'm working with, she is like, um, she is a priestess path initiator. She's like a spiritual guide for people on the priestess path. And that's a different spiritual lineage. Right. And so we had this whole conversation about these different archetypes, right? This archetype of like the queen, right? We can maybe call that like true self, right? That true self that knows that sovereign, that understands who we are in the world and what we're here to do. And then we have like the princess and the princess is maybe that like scared, you know, uh, whiny, like unsure, uncertain uh, kind of archetype we're having this conversation about these different archetypes. And one of the things that came up for me was that instead of say, you know, telling that princess archetype to just like go away, what if we invited that person in? What if we honored that archetype as equally and divinely a part of ourselves as the queen or as any other archetype, right? What if we honored it all as sacred in this entire container of existence? Like what if that was the way that we looked at things, right? And so this has been super powerful because, and I'm not saying that I'm like perfect at it. I absolutely like get really, I have been very full on when your kid is sick, by the way, it's very overwhelming. So it's definitely been like a challenge and I've definitely, um, 
yeah, I've had experiences of being oh, frustrated and not in that moment, necessarily seeing it as divine. I've had moments where I've succumbed, <laughs> but to be able to, and one of the things that I, I tell my you know clients or students in a meditation, for example, is it's not how much our mind wanders. It's how quickly do we bring ourselves back to the point of focus? And so what I'm seeing at this new level is how quickly can we bring ourselves back to noticing and, and witnessing and embodying and honoring that it's all divine, right? So even if in the moment you react in a particular manner, how quickly can you then get yourself back to, okay, but it's all divine, right? How quickly can we bring ourselves back to that awareness, right? So that's been a super cool experience. And it's really allowed me to get curious about my frustration. It's really allowed me to get curious about these emotions that we sometimes label as like bad or wrong and invite them in and honor them and then do the digging to be like, okay, well, why is this showing up? Right. What is this teaching me? Because all of these emotion, uh, emotions, emotions, these feelings, not only are they divine, but they are our teachers. They're telling us something. And in non-dual tantra, we say that it's, it's all the play of Shakti. It's all the play of this cosmic energy that's dancing and just having an experience. And so what is this teaching us? How can we approach this? How can we see this a little bit differently? So it's been really cool to be in that embodied space and to be in that embodied practice and, and, um, yeah, just to have that experience. It's absolutely shifted things. It's a sort of like new level. I feel that I'm experiencing in my own practice, my own sadhana, right beyond what I do on the mat or on the meditation cushion to really have that experience within life. Because ultimately what I'm really feeling like just connected to it when it comes to non-dual tantra is that it is this embodied path and this embodied practice, right? And I feel very grateful to have learned Ayurveda from teachers who are, who embody that tantric path, right? Who are on that path and who weave the tantric teachings into Ayurveda. And so where I want to kind of bring this back to this like top down bottoms up approach is one of the things that I, I talk about so much in EA embodied Ayurveda is the importance of getting an integrity and supporting and nourishing the physical body, right? Supporting this physical manifestation of our being, because this is the vessel, right? This is the vessel through which we experience reality, through which we experience our life, through which we mother, through which we work and we, you know, go through our goals. Right. And so one of the things I think, again, on this like spiritual path is sometimes we get so focused on these, you know, these subtle esoteric teachings that we don't always focus on nourishing the body. And therefore the vessel that we have to experience that isn't necessarily optimized. And it's not about optimal health or like looking, you know, a certain way. It's about one of the things that I've noticed is that when my physiology, okay, when this body is tired, when I haven't eaten and I'm like hungry, <laughs> when I haven't drank enough water, when I haven't set my rhythms, right? So I'm very clear, like in embodied Ayurveda, we go over like the rhythms for eating. When I haven't done that, when there's ama or toxic buildup in my physical body, I can't even have that experience. I can't go to that level of practice because I'm just focused. I'm in this like embodied sort of survival mode. I'm icky. I'm frustrated. I, I'm, I'm all of the things. Yeah. So we need, you know, on the spiritual practice, it's like as above, so below, you know, we need to work from the ground up. We want to heal the body. We want to support and nourish this vessel, this physical body from the ground up, making sure our systems are in integrity. Our digestion is working well 
our, our body is, you know, detoxifying things properly. We're digesting things, you know, we're pooping every day. We feel energy. We're like drinking water. We're like sleeping properly. Like we've got these physical habits in integrity. And so we need the bottoms up or we need the body involved. We need to, but then we need, we also need this high level, you know, let's call it, we, we need to work with the mind. We need to work on these subtle realms as well, but we need them connected. We need them anchored in. We need them embodied. Yeah. We, we can't only work on one layer or the other. There needs to be this integration, right? We need to experience. And this is a trap that I've fallen into for a lot of it is like, even just, you know, conceptualizing teachings, right? Conceptualizing, you know, reading a book on Ayurveda. Great. You learned it, but did you, did you live it? Did you experience the shift of drinking warm water every day? First thing in the morning, this is the thing that I'm going on about now on Instagram. If you haven't been following, it's such a simple shift, but it sets the tone for the day. When we, when we, there's this beautiful concept in, um, you know what? I'm going to say that for another thing. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to go into it because I just started talking about, but there's, there's this beautiful concept in Tantra, uh, Itcha, Jnana, I can't remember if it's Kriya or Karma, but it's this idea that we have this, this creative urge, Itcha, this creative urge. Then we have the, the, the knowledge, the Jnana, and then we take an action to sort of bring it all together. So we need for the wisdom that we learn, the urge to learn the wisdom, then the wisdom that we cultivate to root down into action, into embodied action to fully experience it. And what a lot of people do, we get caught in this trap is we want to read more books on spirituality. We want to read more books on Ayurveda. We want to learn the things, but the integration of the knowing and the doing, we struggle. And so we have this sort of uh, this, this practice, like share with me, if you're listening to this in the podcast, or you're listening to this in the Facebook group, like if it feels like something's missing. Yeah. If it feels like something in your practice is just a little bit off, you don't know what it is, but you're not really feeling that, you know, you, we, we all come to, we all come to yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, spiritual practice. We all come for different reasons. And I think that it's, and that's the itcha, by the way, that's the, that's the, the urge, the urge to be here, the urge to go deeper into yourself. There is that there. And then you learn the things you learn the things, and maybe you take some actions, but we want it fully like integrated and rooted throughout the multidimensional layers that, that, that you are right. And so if you're not feeling fully like embodied in your practice and you're feeling like something's missing, this is the missing link integrating fully the body, the mind, taking care of the body in a sacred way, like allowing that to be a sacred duty, not from a place of like, I need to lose weight and like get skinny and look hot. Like, no, it's like, this is my sacred duty because this is my vessel and I'm here. And I incarnated at this time. And I know that I was here for a purpose and I have a duty to take care of this physical body. I have a duty to take care of that so that I can go deeper in these teachings so that I can have enough, you know, vitality and energy to fulfill my mission, to fulfill that sacred purpose that I was put on this planet for. That's why we take care of this physical body. Yeah. So we can fulfill that purpose. And that purpose doesn't have to be like being a spiritual teacher. It could be being a mother. It could be being a school teacher. It could be being a, you know, really conscious investment banker. I don't know. It could be whatever it is for you, but there's a, something that, that you're here on this planet to do. And then as an individual, this individual, it's like, actually all of our dharmas, 
the, the yoga dharma is self-realization at some level, at some level in our body and in our mind, your soul knows its purpose is to realize its true nature. That's what the, that's what yoga is about. Realizing your, your true nature. This is something on the inside, deep down, you know, and you're listening to this. Yeah. Because your soul has this urge, has this, itch, it has this, no, it has this something, this potentiality that's drawing you to this wisdom because it knows, it knows that there's something greater for it to not something greater for it to experience at all. It knows that there's all this stuff that's like in the way and it's desiring to connect with itself again. It's desiring to meet itself and it wants you to do the work so that you aren't clouded and foggy and that you can see it. Yeah. But when we're bloated, when we're tired and when we don't sleep and when we eat really heavy food and we like, Oh, feel like shit all the time. We're not doing that self-reflection. We're focusing on the ailment. We're focusing on the injury. We're focusing on the feeling like shit. And as one of my mentors, Paula would say, it is not your Dharma to feel like shit. It's your Dharma to feel vibrant and vital and alive. Yeah. So we need to, yes, do the, do the deep work. And we need to, you know, like read the texts and the scriptures and do the, you know, the more, um, esoteric spiritual, subtle stuff, but we also equally need to do the physical stuff. We need to honor this physical reality as well. Right. So that is what I have been really rooting into. This is a huge reason I, when I, when I come back to my like core truth, (laughs) this is why I created embodied Ayurveda, right. Is to really integrate this mind, body, top down approach to deep spiritual healing, I guess would be the word to say it right. To really support you in feeling so vital in your body that you can go deeper to teach you that deep wisdom, to go deeper into your own practice so that you have enough energy to fulfill your Dharma in the world, your purpose in the world. This is why I created embodied Ayurveda. And so I kind of want to go into the updates because that feels like a really good, feels like a really good segue into the updates because I do have an update and an itchy leg, um, around embodied Ayurveda. Um, for those of you who have been following me for some time, you've probably been hearing about EA otherwise known as embodied Ayurveda. And as of a month or so, a month or so from now, um, I'm going to be changing the way that we do enrollment for EA. So as of right now, it's kind of like rolling enrollment. Anyone can enroll at any time. Just come on in. We're cool. We're here. And what I'm personally seeing is that that's great. And I love having that expansive container. Anyone can come in, but I'm feeling really called to being able to hold a tighter, more sacred space and container for people to come in and be, you know, in community in Sangha with, with a group of people and go through this experience together. I'm personally just feeling that shift and I really want to honor that shift. So as of about like a month in, in, in about a month or a month and a half, I'm going to open up the doors again for EA to do as a group. Um, so if you've been interested in joining us, um, that is going to be opening up as well soon. And I'm still going to keep open. There is a self-study option. So if you do not desire to join us in community and you want to go through it more individually on your own, that's totally cool as well. That's still going to be there but I'm switching up the sort of group container to be really a more sacred container, a more sacred container. So that's going to be opening up in uh, about a month, a month and a half from now. And just before that, what I'm going to be doing, I haven't picked the exact dates again, so apologies, but beginning of October, probably the first or second week of October, I'm going to be running a 10 day fall cleanse. This is a beautiful opportunity 
to, again, be in community and to just let go of anything that is stagnant body and mind that, you know, has happened in the summer to just give your digestive system a reset, to give yourself a reset. Um, I'm going to be hosting that community cleanse, uh, in the first two weeks of October. So if you're curious about that from an Ayurvedic perspective, it's very, very good to cleanse the body you know, at the change of the seasons, particularly from spring or sorry, from summer going into fall, when we're kind of moving from that pitta into the Vata season, when it's cold and rough and dry, this is a powerful time to just sort of give the system a reset to really support and ground Vata dosha. So we're not feeling anxiety. We're not feeling like, whoa, crazy all over the place that we're coming in. We're feeling calm. We're feeling clear. We're feeling connected. And we're going into the winter feeling grounded, making shifts in our diet and and, and in our lifestyle for, um, the fall. So that is going to be happening the first two weeks of October. I'll put a link in this podcast episode, as well as, um, in this Facebook, uh, live for you to take a look at that. So it's going to be a beautiful experience. I'm really, really excited to guide you through this. Um, and I'm going to cap it at, I think 25 people. So I really want this to be an intimate container. So if you're interested, you can send me a message and let me know, um, but I'll put the links to the program page to find out more. That is update number two. (laughs) We got one last update. If you are, if you have been in my world for some time, if you are an Ashtanga yogi, I feel like I have a lot of Ashtangis in my, in my world. Um, and you're curious about learning a little bit more about nutrition from an Ayurvedic lens specific to how it relates to yoga and, you know, sort of yogic lifestyle. Um, I'm also hosting a donation-based nutrition for yogis workshop where all proceeds are going to the Trini foundation on September 25th at 10 AM Eastern standard time. Um, if you're not familiar with Trini foundation, Trini foundation was started by Taylor hunt. Taylor is a level two authorized Ashtanga teacher, and he battled with addictions for many years. And after, you know, going through recovery and finding yoga, yoga was really the thing that like saved him. It was the thing that really supported him in sticking with sobriety for like a decade, I think even, even potentially more. Um, and so he's made it his mission through Trinity foundation to raise money, to make yoga accessible and available to anyone who's going through recovery. And so all of the proceeds from this workshop are going to go toward, um, Trinity foundation, it's donation based. I think there's three levels. You can choose to donate 10, 20 or $30. If you want to donate more holla at me and you totally can, <laughs> but, um, those are the three options that you have for that. Um, and I would love, love, love to see you there. Um, again, that's September 25th at 10 AM Eastern standard time. It's a Saturday. Um, and we're really going to be going over. I'm really giving so much in this workshop. I'm actually really excited about it. I'm really going to go into the most actionable, potent, helpful, supportive, everything that you need to know as much as I can share with you in 90 minutes, of course, um, everything you need to know about nutrition for yogis and how to fuel your practice using Ayurvedic wisdom mixed with modern science as per everything we do here. Um, but also really diving into and looking at things from this yogic lens, right? Going into things like, okay, well, do I have to be hundred percent vegan? What about vegetarian? Can I eat meat? What does this look like? How does that relate to yoga? We're going to go over that. I'm going to answer all of your questions. Um, and so if you have any suggestions on things that you would love for me to kind of go over inside of that workshop, I would love to hear them. And I can hear Sats is outside the door. (laughs) So I'm going to say farewell, but this was lovely. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. If you need anything, if you have any questions about anything that I talked about, um, please feel free to send me a DM over on Instagram. It's probably the best way to reach me at Yogi fuel. 
um, or, you know, click the links to any of the things that I'm sharing and, um, I'm happy to, yeah, I'm happy to support and share and give you any info about anything else that's coming up. All right. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will chat soon. Bye.